All right, here we go. This is the episode you look forward to each and every year with Offside. We call it the Junior Fevers episode, and we usually get to sit down with Mark Seidel to talk about it. And guess what? Here he is, live and in living color, sitting down with us tonight to talk about Team Canada and the World Juniors as a whole. Mark, how's the evening treating you? Good, boys. How are you guys doing? Ah, uh, you know, living the absolute podcast dream, I guess. <laughs> what is that? What is the podcast dream? Is it I like the, the Joe Rogan $100 million contract or just being happy? Just being happy, getting to talk about what you love. I think it's a real podcast dream. If you can make money off it, cool. But if you get to talk to fun people and enjoy what you're talking about, I think that's the dream right there. I'll take the $100 million. I'm not going to lie to you, boys. I'll take the $100 million. Uh, yeah. 100 million doing what I like isn't a bad deal for Joe Rogan at all. Yeah, I'll take the hundred million too. All right, guys, make me the odd <laughs> guy. That's okay. That's okay. All right, Mark. Well, having you on, obviously, the first question on everybody's mind is with the postponement of games, uh, I guess pre-tournament games for this World Junior so far for Team Canada and other teams as well. How confidently are we saying the World Juniors are going to happen and that they're going to be able to finish? Well, I think, you know, obviously, guys, in, in today's environment, I think everything is uh, used to be day-to-day. I'm not even sure if it's not hour-to-hour these days, to be honest with you. But, you know, obviously, this new variant, the Omicron variant, is, is you know, is throwing havoc into everything, you know, regular society and sports. But, you know, I guess it, I guess my answer would be, I, I'm of all of the things going forward, uh, I, I'm probably the most confident the World Juniors are going to happen because, you know, they did the one last year in a bubble. It obviously worked out pretty well. There were no fans. Um, and they're going back into the bubble this year. Like all the teams did their 48-hour quarantine. Everybody had to stay in the room for the full 48 hours. They all were tested today. They all tested negative. There wasn't a positive test amongst them. Um, so they're going to remain in that bubble basically until the end of this tournament. And, uh, you know, they're the IIHF, I talked to James Boyd the other day, and he said they are militant. Like they, they don't screw around. They you, the 48 hours you had to be in your hotel room, they literally had to stay in their hotel room and they would come by and check. And um, so they're going to be pretty militant on making sure that those, those things are, uh, are maintained. And, you know, for that reason, I think there's a pretty good chance that it starts and it finishes. Now the question, you know, I got asked a couple of times today, what about fans? That I don't know that I'm less confident of. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to somebody today and they said that uh, uh, Hockey Canada is is really pushing for the fans, obviously because of the environment, and also there's a huge revenue source, you know, from those gates. That's that's big money. Um, TSN uh, they could care less about the fans, quite frankly, because they you know they're producing TV products. So you know their concern is if we have fans and this thing gets called off, now they lose the whole tournament. So we'll see who wins out on that. But I mean, just the way things are going with the you know the, the, this variant being so. Uh, so ability to transmit from, from person to person. I won't be shocked if there's no fans, but I do think there'll be, uh, I think there will be a tournament and I think it'll conclude uh, in early January. No, I'm looking forward to it happening and everything going off, hopefully without a hitch. Um, I only ask those questions because obviously we see so many different things being postponed or shut down. Um, the bubble aspect definitely gives them a leg up on everyone else. Um, keeps everybody safe and happy as well. Um, you go into a tournament like this and of course, you cross your T's, you dot your I's, but you can never count anything out. Um, for you, you look at this tournament here and we say, okay, we want it to go forward. We know it's going to go forward. Um, without fans or with fans, I mean, either side, like you just said, doesn't really matter um, to one or the other. But for me, I think you need the fans there. I think you need the fans for the atmosphere. I think the players would like the fans. And as much as the Omicron variant thing is going wild right now and shutting things down, I think for people's mental health, 
to see fans in the building, to experience this, to take a step forward, I guess, through this pandemic, which this would be another step if you had fans there, uh, really would help people's mental state. What do you think for the players too? Because you can't, no one can sit here and tell me that the past 18 months for any player has been easy. And then to think about going back into a bubble, no fans, silent buildings, piped in noise, whatever you want to say, um, you know, I'm wondering what you think there. Well, I think, you know, I think one of the biggest advantages we have, especially when Canada hosts, is the fans. You know, the atmosphere. I've been to more of those tournaments than I could kind of care to remember. Um, and when it's in Canada, it is unbelievable. It, it truly is a huge, huge advantage. Excellent. And you got to remember, for, for some of these kids, you know, everybody thinks these 20 kids are all, 23 kids are all going right to the National League. This will be the highlight of their career. I mean, you can look back at every roster of Team Canada since this thing started, and there's a number of players where this is the highlight of their career. So, you know, to play in front of 20,000 screaming Canadian fans, I mean, it's unbelievable. And so I think there's that aspect to it for sure from a, a competitive standpoint. You know, obviously it helps to have the home crowd and you get that energy out of them. So, you know, I think they're going to obviously want those fans there. I think everybody would like the fans there. It just becomes a question of whether or not it becomes a risk, um, you know, for, for spread of the variant or not. But um, absolutely, those players, that, that'll be the highlight of their career up to this point, and it may end up being the highlight of their career overall. Fans make such a difference for me because the one unique thing I really love about the juniors is the, it may sound silly, but it's the celebration after the goals. They're just, yeah. you can, you can tell they're just kids jumping into the glass, wiping the ice, like pandering to the crowd. It's almost like they've got that pro wrestling energy, right? So, um, and the crowd really feeds off that. So I think that's the one thing the tournament was missing last year. Um, so it's going to be, it, it, I really hope they had to have a packed stadium, but if it's not safe, then you can't do it. So. Yeah, just one quick point on that. I think if you if you go back and watch, I agree 100% with what you're saying, Josh. I think if you look at the final against the Americans, I, I honestly believe if the crowd was there, that game would have turned out different. They just the Americans mm -hmm. just ground them into the ice, and there was no emotion really. It was just kind of you know the minutes clicked by, and they weren't able to generate anything where you know they could there could have been a couple big hits on a shift, and that would have got the building energized. And yeah. I really think that comes out different. And I think. Uh, you know, so I think that's that's one of the reasons. Obviously, we all hope there's fans this year, and, and uh, you know that that will do nothing but help Canada. One thing that uh, Team Canada is usually really good at is picking a captain to lead this squad and be a voice for this team. Uh, obviously, this year Caden Gooley becomes the the captain here for Team Canada with Cole Perfetti and Jake Neighbor is serving as the alternates. Um, for you, do you think that K or that Gooley is the the one to be captain? Um, and what does he bring for the leadership role on this team? Yeah, I think it was, he was the obvious choice. I think we all kind of knew that was going to be the choice. I mean, this is a returning player, uh, a very character kid. I mean, everybody that's ever played with him, coached him, talks about how much character he has, leadership, mature beyond his years. I mean, these are all things we heard in his NHL draft year. So uh, it doesn't shock me for a second, you know, having, as I said, gone through it once already, I think is important. You know, there's a couple of people today text me wondering why Owen Power wasn't named one of the at least have an A. And again, he's never been there. So, you know, this yep. is a whole new experience, especially when it's in Canada with the media pressure. So, you know, Caden Uli, I think was the right choice. Uh, you know, a really good player that Canadian fans, if you, if they aren't very familiar with Caden yet, we'll get to know him because he'll be out there for about 25 minutes a night. So uh, the perfect choice, Cole Perfetti, you know, has been in pro, has played in the NHL. Um, you know, so I'm happy for Cole in that regard. He's able to bring some of that pro mentality back to that team. And Jake Neighbors is another guy that, know a high character guy so i'm not shocked by it to be perfectly honest with you but Caden Gooley to me was the obvious choice to be the captain i think he'll be a great captain 
No, definitely. Well, I look across this roster and before we start diving into, you know, different teams and who can pose threats to Canada, I want to ask you about a few players. Obviously, Shane Wright is in his draft year, looking to go first overall, uh, probably wants to make some noise here at this tournament. We look at a Quinton Byfield when he went to the tournament himself, didn't make a lot of noise, came back again, made the noise and, you know, really led that tournament. Um, for, for Shane Wright, I'm wondering for you, um, what does he have to do I guess over and above what he's already done to impress. I know this season he's kind of gotten off to a different start. Um, could this be a showcase for him? I know everybody's already you know, projecting him to be first overall, but could this be another step? We talked before, you know, me and you about different players and how this can really build their showcase better. Um, could this be a thing for Shane Wright? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's any secret that Shane got off to a slow start this year. I mean, you know, he's like everybody else in Ontario hockey didn't play last year. So he got off to a slow start statistically. He, you know, he wasn't putting up the numbers that everybody thought he would. So, you know, I think this is a great, in the last four weeks or so, he's played really well for Kingston. So, you yep. know, he's certainly trending in the right way. And, and I think that's going to continue, but I think, you know, this kind of gives him a chance to wipe the slate clean and, and start with this team. And, you know, Shane Wright isn't a guy who uh, I tell people this isn't a guy who's a highlight real guy necessarily like, you know, Connor McDavid was, or, or even to some regards, Quentin Byfield was at times. This is a guy that plays the game the right way. And one of the reasons he's going to go first overall is, and he is because of the way he plays all over the ice. Uh, he's a really smart, educated player that has high IQ that does everything right. And that's really what the attraction of him as scouts. I mean, I've had people say, you know, guys have twice as many points that are draft eligible. That's fine. Shane's going to get his points. There's no doubt. He's so smart and he's got all the tools you need, but, but it's his play away from the pockets. It's, it's the little things in the game that coaches and, and hockey executives appreciate. And I think, you know, he's going to be featured in this tournament for sure. Um, but if you watch his entire game, you're going to start to see why he's going to go number one in, uh, in July in Montreal. And um, I think this tournament will give him that chance and he'll come offensively, but he'll also be able to play against his peers with the best players in Canada. And I think he'll show really well. Well, definitely. Well, another player um, that is a huge name for this team. I don't know if you heard of him, anybody on this show right now is uh, Connor Bedard. Um, kids absolutely on fire. Uh, you know, all the right things, doing all the right things, scoring at a prolific pace, uh, all those different things. But we know when you come to the World Juniors at the age he's at, there hasn't been many players to do it. Um, do you see him having a big impact on this team? Or is this um, the one where he feels it out, gets his feet kind of wet and, you know, gets to see what's going to happen and what could be expected of him in the future as he takes on a bigger role here with Team Canada at the World Juniors? Because you know he's going to be at a couple. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of both. I'll, not to hedge here, but I'll explain what I mean. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you that it's my belief that going into the camp, uh, Connor Bernard wasn't going to be on this roster. Oh, wow. I think, I think they had thought about the fact that, you know, they wanted to be older, they wanted to be stronger. And the way he played at camp, the way he played in those exhibition games, they just couldn't deny him. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he, he's another guy who he plays in Regina and has had, you know, had a good start for a kid of his age, but not quite the numbers that everybody hopes and thought he would put up this far. So again, I think he's had a, a bit of a slow start, but so he worked his way on this team. And, and I think because of that, you're going to see him, I, I believe uh, on the power play. And I think he can make an impact on the power play. I mean, shoots the puck as well as anybody in the tournament. Um, so from that regard, I think he's going to certainly make a difference or have a chance to make a difference on the power play. Um, but in five on five, I think he's going to play a lot lesser role than people think. Um, and that's, that was the same thing that, you know, Connor McDavid did and, and all the other guys that went before him, they never played a big role as, as good as those players obviously are and, and became, 
they never really played a huge role as an under uh, double underage. Yep. So in that regard, I think he has a chance on the power play. Uh, again, I don't know what they're practicing. I don't even know if he's on it. I haven't asked anybody, but I would expect he'll see some power play time where he can make a difference, but, but five on five, I think, uh, uh, maybe he will, maybe he's worked himself into that top six, but I would expect him to be a little lesser role in, in the uh, five on five play. A couple other players, obviously we talked about Owen Power just a moment ago. Um, Mason McTavish, another guy that's probably going to have a pretty good impact on this team. Um, for you, is there a name right now on this roster that we're not talking about that you have seen or know of or heard of that as whispers in the wind, basically that this guy is going to be something to watch here at this world junior championship? Oh, that's a, that's a pretty good question. Um, well, just to touch on Mason McTavish for a second, I think he's going to be a huge star at this thing. We saw at the under 18s last year, what, what he became. Um, I think he wins the MVP. I'm he has a chance. Yeah. Again, he's going to, he's, the offense is going to be there, but it's the things away from the puck, the way, you know, he's going to block shots. He's going to do everything. And, and he's sort of surprised he didn't get named one of the assistants. That does sort of surprise me a bit because I thought he would have been, um, but I think he's going to be a big star, I guess. The name, the easy name or the name that jumps to mind that people don't know about right now that might by the end of this tournament is Sebastian Kosa. I think he's going to be the starting goalie. Uh, Detroit Red Wing pick. Um, big kid has played phenomenal in the WHL. He's going to be their starter. And, and knowing Dave Cameron as I do, um, Garand will have a chance to play some games, but I think he's going to ride Kosa and Kosa is going to be the guy. So, you know, anytime a team, team Canada wins gold, the goaltender always has to play well, even, even yeah. the stack the team as they have. Um, so I think Sebastian Coase will be the guy that when it's all said and done, people are going to be really surprised that haven't heard of him or, or watched him play at how good of a goaltender he is. Well, you took the question right out of my mouth because the, the goaltending was going to be the next thing. And we always dabble in this. I mean, I think the last time that we talked about team Canada at the world juniors, it was a battle between three tenders and uh, you had one that you ran with and I had mine that I ran with and it ended up being, of course, your pick because, uh, obviously you're in the business of watching them <laughs> a lot more than I am, but, um, I will agree with you on that. I, I really want to see, um, honestly, Brochu do something too. Obviously, he's an undrafted player with the London Knights. Um, again, we look at this tournament, sometimes it's a showcase for guys. And an undrafted guy like him, this may be able to elevate his stock and maybe get him in some conversations or somewhere to uh, to come back into maybe towards the NHL path. But I wanted to ask you, obviously, you look at this tournament, who poses the biggest threat to Team Canada this year? Is it the United States? Is it Finland? Is it Sweden? Is it Russia? Uh, which team really can pack that power against Team Canada? Because obviously we're striving for gold again. Yeah, and I think this year, maybe more than I can't think of a recent year, where Canada's depth and, and their roster on paper, and again, it's only on paper at this point, is so much better than the other teams. I think Canada's depth is phenomenal. I think that's one of the issues other countries face. Um, so I, I think there's a, there's a reasonable gap between Canada and the rest, uh, as for who I think will give them the biggest problem, you know, uh, each team has some warts, but at the end of the day, if you get a goaltender that can stand on his head and win games, that's the team that can beat Canada, especially in a one game playoff and say the semis are in the finals. And for me, Yaroslav Askarov is the best goalie in this tournament. Um, he's yeah. played in this tournament a few times now, and, and he quite frankly, hasn't played great in this tournament, but. You know, I've, I've seen this kid play since he was 15 and I, I still believe heavily in him. And again, if I had one goal or one game to win and I had to pick a goalie that was in this tournament, it'd be Yaroslav Askarov all day long. And the Russians, of course, have got, you know, their own set of talent. They have lots of talent. You're going to, Matt Vimishkov is going to be a, a guy that I guarantee is going to be on some highlight reels because he's a phenomenal player who's, who's going to battle with Connor Bedard to be the first overall pick in 2023. You know, they've got their typical big 
uh, solid defense and they've got some offense up front, but that's probably the one team that scares me the most. If, if you end up facing the Russians, say in the semis and Askarov stands on his head. I mean, when he gets going and, and he's done it internationally for Russia a lot, mostly when he was younger, under 17 and under 18s and stuff, but he could really steal games. And that's the one team I think that scares me the most uh, would be Russia. What about what about Sweden? Because they're typically really dominant in the um, preliminary stage. I, I don't know if their undefeated streak's still alive. I don't remember if that ended last year. Um, can but they always seem to struggle in the elimination round. How are they looking this year? Are there some star players that they're bringing that can kind of get them over that hump, or is it going to be kind of the same old story for them? Well, in full transparency, boys, the issue I have with, with Sweden, and, and again, most people that follow this stuff are going to think I'm nuts, but I'm not a big Jesper Walstead fan. Okay. Um, you know, last year, everybody, everybody in the industry said he's the best goalie in the draft, and uh, it, was, it was, you know, he might be a top five, top ten pick. Uh, we didn't believe it at North American Central Scouting. I didn't believe it personally. We had Kosa ahead of him, and, and ultimately Kosa got drafted ahead of him, and I'm just not a big fan of Jesper Walstead. I think his consistency, you know, can waver, and when he gets on a roll, when he's good, he's very good, but he can be bad. Um, as for the rest of the team, they are going to be loaded up front on their top six, especially. I mean, you've got guys like William Eklund and Oscar Olison and uh, Alexander Holtz is going to be there. So they're loaded up front in terms of scoring goals. I think they're going to score their, a lot of goals. Their power push should be very, very deadly. Uh, I'm not sure of their back end. Um, you know, they've got some high-end players. Or Simon Edvinson's a guy, but they've got some guys there. But Ultimately, I think, you know, you're exactly right. Sweden has been on, uh, I think it did get broken last year, although I could be wrong, that streak of, of regular. I, regular. I, I remember it coming up and I think it came yeah. up because it got broken, but I don't remember. I think so, yeah. Um, and again, you know, why that's happened over the years, I, I can't answer to it. But this year's team, it just strikes me. They've got a lot of offensive guys up front um, and, and their forward group is good. But I, Jesper Wallstead worries me. Their back end worries me. And uh, again, could they win this tournament? Certainly they could if Wallstead gets it together. But uh, they're a team that, you know, I think might not be uh, as good as some people think they are. Well, I'm wondering what's the team that can make some noise, uh, you know, this tournament that no one's really talking about um, that could really, you know, either put the pressure to some of the better teams or is a team that is good that's really going to overtake some of the more dominant uh, teams like USA, Team Canada, Russia, et cetera. Well, again, this isn't going to be a secret for, you know, people that have listened to this and, and watched the World Juniors over the last few years. But Finland, I mean, again, on paper, they're probably the fifth most talented team uh, on paper. But this is a team that plays hard. They're well coached. They play well. You know, uh, you guys are Leaf-centric and, and, and Leaf fans for sure. So, you know, Toppy Nimala was, was a top defenseman. So last year excited for him. Yeah, so and he, he was a top D last year. So obviously he's going to come in this year and be phenomenal for them and, and really, you know, make Leaf fans excited. You know, Adam Blomkis, as much as I'm not a fan of Jesper Wallaby and uh, uh, Wallstead, sorry, in, uh, in Sweden, I do like Adam Blomkis. He's probably going to be their starter. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh Penguin prospect that I, I really do like. And then Ronnie Herverden, another Leaf prospect. So if you're yep. a Leaf fan, watch every Finland game because you're going to see a couple guys that I think down the road are going to be playing in the blue and white. Uh, should end up being our number one centerman, will play a lot, has really started this year playing really, really well. Um, so Finland's one of those teams that they grind. They, they play very much a North American Canadian style where they wear you down. They're opportunistic. Um, and, and they've got some guys like that. I mean, Topi Nemo is going to play 27, 28 minutes a night and, yeah. uh, and do a great job for it. So that's the one team, uh, you know, as much as I said, Sweden isn't going to be as good as people think. I think Finland's going to be better than people think. 
I always like Finland because um, they, for some reason, they always feel like an underdog, but they're a believable underdog. Like they're going to win some games and they're going to catch somebody. They always seem to be that team. I don't think people ever give them enough credit. They just yeah, seem I, to be one of those teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Joaquin Kemmel is another guy that uh, is on that team. Who's a, he's in this year's draft. I mean, uh, most draft fans or some draft fans may have heard of him, but uh, a lot of the casual fans haven't. Uh, very, very much a high-end player, I think could be a top five pick in the NHL draft. So, you know, you add that in with some of those other guys that got up front and I think he'll be fun to watch and, and uh, you know, is somebody that will really jump off the page for, uh, for fans. Before I ask you about a few individual players, uh, you know, expectations and things like that, I want to ask you, what, what team do you get a vibe off of that might be a team that falters in this tournament that everybody's really high on? Um, and don't say Team Canada because that would be a huge letdown on this show. But uh, is there a team out there that maybe has got like high expectations or everyone's got high expectations and they may walter um, or falter? Sorry, you talked about Sweden there not believing in their back end, maybe their goaltending. Um, is that the team or is there another one there that we're not talking about right now? Well, I think, yeah, I mentioned Sweden is, is probably the number one that jumps to mind when you ask that question. But I, I also think uh, Team USA has got some, some issues on that team. Obviously, the defending gold, gold medalist from last year, you know, they've obviously got some high-end players and Matty Beniers, who you know, was a second overall pick to Seattle, and Jake Sanderson, the, the stud defenseman that's an Ottawa uh, senator prospect. I got a little bit of concern of their depth on their back end. They've got, you know, they've got uh, Sanderson. They've also got uh, Brock Nelson back there, who I think is going to play a big part of it. But um, I, I don't like their depth back there, and I don't like their goaltending. Drew Comiso is a, is a good goaltender, but again, uh, you know, could I see him giving up five or six one one game, maybe in the playoffs or maybe in the quarters or semis? I could. Um, so they've got lots of skill uh, up front. They've also got, you know, the, the one thing they do have is their bottom six forwards. I like they're, they're grinding guys that understand their role. But at the end of the day, it comes down. You know, I'm a big believer in, in you start from the back out and I don't like their goaltending and I don't like their, their defense, uh, the depth on their defense. So um, they could be a team that kind of falters and, and people are surprised, but Sweden would be number one, but uh, USA would be a close second on that one. All right. All right. All right. So obviously this tournament, we talked a few times throughout this episode so far about this being a table setter, a stage, a uh, way to showcase yourself. Um, obviously we talked about Nemola. We talked about Hirvin. Um, you know, there's Rodin Amirov that might be playing for team Russia. I'm not sure if he is, um, you know, different players like that for you. Obviously, the draft is going to be a big thing for a lot of these players in this tournament. Is there anyone that we're not talking about on these bigger teams that may be on a different squad that is going to have himself a tournament and put himself in a good position come the draft that nobody is talking about? I would say more about the, the casuals and, you know, fans of this tournament. Um, you know, obviously, the diehard draft people will know who these people are, but someone that we're going to have to pay attention to and watch throughout this tournament. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few guys. I mean, I talked about Team USA, Logan Cooley, um, who is a really high skill centerman. Um, they've talked. I was at their uh, at their camp and and was there the day they before they left for Edmonton and watched some practice. And talking to those guys, they think he's going to be their number two centerman, which again concerns me if I was a U.S. fan because I think he's a young guy, phenomenal prospect, but that's that's pretty high in the roster to play against the other team's top lines and. Uh, but we'll see, but he will certainly have a coming out party. He'll be given every opportunity, high-end skill. Um, you know, he can really do some things that'll, that'll make people jump up. And again, I think he's a top 10 pick. Um, you know, the checks, we haven't talked about the checks. 
Uh, they've got a number of draft eligibles. David Jersek is a guy who I love. Um, he's a big, he's a, kind of what I call a throwback defenseman. Uh, hard to play against, nasty with his stick, hits like a truck, um, but still skates very well, has some offensive upside. And again, is a guy who you know, most fans wouldn't have heard of, but by the end of this tournament, especially after uh, they play a few games, he's a guy who, uh, you know, I think will, uh, will, will be somebody to, to talk about. And I guess the other guy probably, you know, we talked a little bit about Mishkov with Russia. He's not till 2023, but Danilo Yurov is, is in this year's draft. Uh, a top 10 guy again, um, really, really skilled. Um, you know, I think when Russia plays, he will get some offensive opportunities. I don't think Russia has as much total skill up front as they usually have. So I think Yurov will get a chance along with Mishkov, which will be strange for them because they love to go with older guys. But, you know, almost every team has a high end. The Swedes are really the only team in this tournament that don't have a, a relatively high end prospect. So um, I think, you know, almost every game, if you're a fan of the draft and a draft watcher, um, you know, almost any game you watch, you can see a couple of uh, high-end guys playing. Tex put out a release today saying they want to change the name, the way, the way, change the way their name is said. Yes, they did, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I think thought, they want to be called uh, Chechki or something like that. Something like that. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was real or not. Yeah. To double check that one. There's a lot of things buzzing around, obviously. I, I figured if anybody knew, it would be, I'm learning so much right now. I'm just happy <laughs> to be along for the ride at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of my favorite episodes every year because Mark is obviously graceful with his time towards the draft and right here uh, with the World Juniors. So this is where I get to pick up and learn. This is why I watch certain players and certain things because of what he says. And that's why I'm so good in my fantasy pools too with the uh, <laughs> the expanded rosters we do when we pick the younger guys who aren't drafted yet or guys who are on the outside looking in because this is where I get my inside track. But uh, I want to ask you, obviously, for Team Canada. This is what everybody's here for. Everybody wants to know. Uh, what is the expectation with this team? How far do they go? Can they win it all? Uh, let us know what their weakness is, what their strength is, and where do you think they overall will finish? Uh, as I said earlier, I think they've got the most talented roster, and, and usually it's pretty close in this tournament. You know, obviously, countries can put their best in. Um, I think it's a bigger gap this year than it has been in, in most recent years. Um, if I have a concern, you know, I, I just talked to you about uh, Sebastian Kosa. Uh, I do have a bit of a concern because none of those guys really have any international experience. Um, and as we know, everybody in Canada grows up watching this tournament from being a little boy until you play in it. And the pressure can be pretty incredible. I mean, he's, he's, he's putting up huge numbers out West this year. And, but their goaltending, you know, again, when you get into a one game playoff, um, you know, you get into the semis against Russia and all of a sudden Askarov standing on his head and, and Kosa gives up a couple of bad ones, they could lose. Um, other than that, you know, their, their depth on defense is, is good. Again, Owen Power and Caden Gooley are going to play an absolute ton. You're going you're gonna to think they're playing uh, every minute of every game. They're on there so much. And, and up front, you know, not only do they have the skill guys we talked about, they've got guys that'll grind. Uh, you know, they got guys like Logan Stankoven who are, who are really Ridley Gregg, who's uh, a really, really good player that most people haven't heard of, but can really play the game both ways. So, um, you know, I expect they're going to win gold. I think, you know, that's obviously the easy choice to make at this point in time, but I truly believe that. But uh, the one area where I think they have to be a little bit careful is uh, uh, in goaltending because none of those guys have, have had any real experience or, or um, Durant has had some international experience a little bit, but nobody's had this stage and, and have to step up and be the guy on a, on a win or lose go or win or go home night. So, that's probably the uh, the one area that I, I'd be a little nervous about. Well, I'm pretty excited about Team Canada. I cannot wait to watch the World Juniors go off and obviously talk with you throughout. 
Um, I did say I want to get to thoughts on the lease, but breaking news just dropped uh, right here, right now. We all probably seen it, got a buzz and alert. Uh, the NHL has suspended all operations uh, after Tuesday night's games until Sunday where things will reopen. So obviously huge news coming across the wire right now as we're recording this. So um, just quick thought on that, hang guys. On, hang on, hang on. Sorry. That's a total of seven games. Like, uh, do you, you want to uh, pat on the back or something? <laughs> no, well, you, you listen, they, they always say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best is right now. So they're, they're going with what they have now. Obviously that date could be pushed from Sunday. Um, you know, uh, we want all the players and everyone to be healthy. This is probably just a more get everybody home, get everybody safe and try to calm things down a little bit. Obviously they'll look at the runway beyond that, but obviously that's a breaking news thing that just came across the wire as we were talking right here, right now. So um, crazy, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I want to ask you, Mark, about the, the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. Obviously we talked about a few of the players uh, through the uh, world juniors tournament that are coming up for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But um, for you, you look at the squad this year, they are 28 and two. Josh, I won't make that mistake again and confuse you. I thought uh, he 20... said 20. <laughs> that was funny. I, I, I was like, hang on. <laughs> yeah, we missed some games there, guys. No. 28 uh, or 30, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, so we're looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they've done so far this season. Obviously, I've said they've improved their penalty kill, improved their power play. They look like they're playing for one another. They're blocking shots. They're doing a lot of the little things that we begged this team to do. Um, I'm wondering for you, obviously you're a observer of hockey. What do you see that is different with the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, just from either what you've heard or what you've observed? Um, what do you feel is different about this team that fans can really latch on to? Cause obviously after last year, a lot of people were dejected and really don't care what they do throughout the season. I do. I want to see the steps taken throughout the season to make it matter in the postseason. But uh, what do you see and what have you observed? I got a bunch of thoughts. Actually, I just want to go back to the uh, the Omicron thing just for a second. I think an interesting thing for people to watch is uh, that statement by Steve Eiserman the other day, I think it was two days ago now, about uh, you know, why are we testing players who are a- asymptomatic and stuff. Steve Eiserman does nothing by accident. Steve yeah. Eiserman is a very calculated guy, a very, very smart guy. And I think you're going to start to see more of a push that way to say, hey, I mean, even if guys have Omicron, and you know what they're asymptomatic like we got to keep going here um and i think you're going to see it's gonna be interesting i think it's going to right across the whole sports world obviously the nfl's talk now about you know they're not going to test anybody unless they're symptomatic so yeah I think you're Jerry Jones that. Made I that think, push. yeah and i think uh i think the nhl is gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes i mean they've got to answer to the, the public health people but at the same time uh, when i saw steve put that out i thought that wasn't by accident very calculated uh, yeah, I think so. And I think he's talked to some people around the league, other GMs and people and said, listen, let's let's make a push for this, because in some ways it, it doesn't make sense. But uh, as far as the Leafs go, it's funny, I talked to somebody today who was a fan of the Leafs and and I've made the mistake that I think a lot of us, you know, does it really matter until they get to the playoffs? And he sort of scolded me and I was thinking of you guys tonight. And he said, you're not wrong, matter. though. <laughs> well, no, exactly. I, I don't think I'm wrong. But his point was, I'm a fan like. I care because I want to see them win every night. Yes, when we get to the playoffs, I'll care then too. But you know, people say, well, playoff, the regular season doesn't matter. What well, does? I'm a fan. I want to see them play good. Like, yeah. And I sort of thought, yeah, I sort of, everybody discounts the fans. You know, they want to see the team play well. They want them to win. And uh, it sort of took me back. I thought, yeah, that does make some sense, actually. But uh, I agree. I mean, as for guys like Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith, if, if they go out in the first round, I fully expect they'll be gone. And uh, I think they yeah. realize it more than anybody. And um, so that's where the pressure certainly counts. 
Um, but it's, it's certainly with that record you talked about, it's better than being uh, 820 and 2-2, two, two, you know, fighting yeah. for a play. So, so I think it's a good sign. I really like the team. I think, you know, the biggest difference, I think, is, is what you asked. I really believe this is now Sheldon Keefe's team. Uh, the, the team I watched the Leafs play is the team that I used to watch him, that he built in the Sioux to a certain extent, and certainly in Pembroke. Uh, guys that play for each other got very good defensively, very smart. Uh, don't take a lot of chances. Uh, the forecheck is important. Or they're fast on teams, so they're not necessarily running guys through the end boards, but they're putting pressure on guys. And that's all stuff that Sheldon has always preached. And his teams, once he's had a chance to, to get guys and, and work with them, they become that. And that's what I see this team becoming. They've, they're starting now to, to be the team that I think he wants them to be. Uh, I, I also think Kyle deserves a ton of credit. You know, I mean, listen, every summer he's shopping in the bargain basement. You know, some of them are shopping at, uh, at Macy's and he's shopping in the bargain basement down below trying to find players. And you look at some of the guys he's found. I mean, he gets crucified for Nick Ritchie, but, you know, the, the Kosh, uh, the Bunting, the Camp, I mean, they're all players that are – that have played really, really well. So, yep. and I think they fill roles. You know, I think one of the problems this team has had over the last few years is you start to wonder, you know, the guys, are they able to, to fill the role that, you know, they're, they're playing in? And those guys seem to relish those roles and they're doing a really good job. Um, and this might sound blasphemous and I hate to say it because I love Jack Campbell so much. The one area of concern I still have, and, and listen, he's been phenomenal this year. You guys know, I mean, yep. he's been, oh, yeah. I, even, I have him in my fantasy hockey team and uh, he, he's done well for me. So, I just have concerns about the fact that if they go into the playoffs, does the pressure get to him? And again, we never know. Uh, all you can do is base it on how he's playing now. I mean, as you go into the deadline, do you look at going to get a guy that you feel comfortable? You know, you're going to have to pay a, a pretty steep price or a heavy price that if something happens in games one and two, can you go to somebody in game three and feel comfortable that they can carry the mail from then on? And I love Jack Campbell as a person. I mean, I think I don't know if I told you guys this before, but in his NHL draft year, we had him at number three overall. So oh, wow. we, had his, we had his early struggles in uh, in his NHL career and stuff. We took it on the chin pretty bad. Um, obviously, Dallas took him a little later than that. But uh, so I, and interviewing a kid, he's one of the best human beings. You know, you've heard all the stories, and it's all yeah. true. So so certainly, uh, I, I I want him to do well. Uh, I really really do. I hope he can uh, you know hoist the Stanley Cup and lead the parade one day. Uh, or this this summer even but that's the one area I have a concern what if Jack Campbell gets hurt you know what if you're a week away and Jack Campbell you know pulls a hammy I mean I don't know if they've necessarily got the depth I'm not sure Peter Mrazek's the guy yeah, he can fill in in the regular season and play some games and you know, win some games and because they're good defensively but if you had to win a seven game series against Tampa Bay I'm not sure Peter Mrazek's the quality goaltender you need so um, you know it's it's goaltenders are expensive but if I if I had to get one piece right sitting here right now uh, if I was Kyle, I might look at trying to get a, a goalie that I know can step in and is probably better than a backup. But if something happens to Jack, either performance-wise or health-wise, this guy can step in and carry the mail for us. No, definitely. And, I mean, I, I want to ask you one question, too. We talk about prospects and young players. Ian Scott and Joe Wool are two goaltenders in the Leafs system. Obviously, Wool got a few uh, few games, a cup of coffee here with the Maple Leafs. Uh, how do you feel about those two goaltenders? Obviously, we're talking about Mrazek, we're talking about Campbell, we're talking about depth. Um, obviously, Ian Scott has battled injuries, and that is something that uh, the Leafs are hoping could get put behind him sooner and later and him get back into some regular game action. But Joe Wool has started to, I guess, show what he can be. Um, is he an option for the Toronto Maple Leafs within the next couple of years if Peter Mrazek isn't the guy? Uh, I simply ask you this because obviously you got your finger on the pulse of young players. So this would be one of them. 
Yeah, of, of those two, I like Joe. I've always liked Joseph Wall a lot. Um, Ian Scott, as you said, the injuries have really hurt him and hurt his development. And and let's be honest, guys. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs haven't done a good job with developing goaltending prospects. I mean, that's that is a fact, and, and nobody can dispute that. So, I think Joseph Wall is the one guy who they are moving along. And again, that that could be that blame could go to prior regimes, other coaching staffs, all that kind of stuff. So we can't blame all that on Sheldon and Kyle and and the goaltending uh, coach. So. Uh, but Joseph Wall is a guy that has continually developed, which is how you want to see a prospect come along. And do I think he can be a starter for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I absolutely do. I think, you know, again, he's, he's still got a lot more development. We've seen him play in the National League, and he's been very good. And there's been times when he's done some things in that. And I'm like, geez, that's, that's, that, that shows he's still a little bit of a way. But um, great pedigree, um, has, has played really well at almost well, every level he's played at. So, yeah, I think of those two, I think Joseph Wall has that potential. Ian Scott, I don't know. I truly don't. I never knew what to make of him when he was in his draft year. Um, you know, the injuries, the inconsistent play. Um, again, we'll see. You know, you hope for the best and, and you hope a guy like that is able to get healthy and, and really step in and maybe uh, challenge Wall for you know, maybe a starting spot in the Leafs in a few years. But um, Joseph Wall is a guy that I think has a chance. But again, we're still a couple years from that day. And, and uh, you know, Jack Campbell is going to be a phrase at the end of this year. We'll see what they do with him. But uh, I don't see Joseph Wall stepping in next year as a starter, but I think in a couple of years, it's a very realistic possibility that he is. Well, I look forward to that. And also, Mark, I want to say thank you very much for, for jumping on with us tonight, talking about the Team Canada and the World Juniors, obviously talking about the players, the Maple Leafs, the whole nine yards. Um, as we've been saying, everyone all night throughout the different shows we've been doing, I uh, hope you can stay positive and uh, test negative, obviously. That's the, <laughs> uh, the running line now. Um, have a safe and happy holidays, and we look forward to having you on maybe towards the end of the world juniors, just to see uh, all the players we talked about and see what's going on with everybody. Listen, guys, it's uh, of all the podcasts I do. And I do a bunch of them. This is one of my favorites. I mean, I, I, as I think I've said to you a few times, I mean, you guys care about the game, you're fans of the game and you do a hell of a job on this. So, you know, it's good to talk to people like that instead of some of these suits that I do podcasts with it, you know, they're punching a time clock waiting to get out of there. So I always really enjoy this one. Um, obviously the world juniors is a fun time and, and I love the podcast you guys put out. So, you know, as I've said to you before, you ever need anything, by all means, reach out, and I'm happy to come on anytime and, and share with you whatever little knowledge I have. So I appreciate it, and uh, like I said, hopefully, yeah, if you want to do something at the end, near the end of the tournament, I'm, I'm always game to come on with you guys, for sure. Well, we are that, guys. We're the best. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.